0: Nebraska did not come in looking like they were ready to win this game. And that's something that concerns me. That's something that I think Coach Frost is really going to have to start dealing with because a year and a half in, you should start being prepared to win games.
1: Nate. What's up, Alex?
0: There's about to be two broken chairs in this world. I'm, I'm going to break the chair I'm sitting in with all the frustration I have. But this one's not going to be made into a trophy.
1: No, Minnesota has that one.
0: We lost the chair, Nate. We lost the chair.
1: We did lose the chair.
0: Sorry, now wait. Nebraska lost the chair. I'm not part of this. I'm I'm not part of this team right now. Not until they pay me. (laughs) The university pays me, not the team.
1: Oh, my goodness. What a disaster.
0: What a disaster indeed. Luckily, our show's not a disaster. It shouldn't be. Heck no. You're listening to The Second stream For Nate Milbach, I'm Alex Fernando. Your favorite college football podcast coming at you fast and furious with hot take reflections on Week 7 in college football, halfway through the season. A couple big upsets, a couple interesting games. It was a good week if you weren't a fan of Nebraska. Yeah, if if you're not a Husker fan, you're having a pretty good Sunday. If you are a Husker fan and you're listening to this, we're going to knock it out right away real quick and easy. Nate, let's get to it. What was your... What was your analysis on the game?
1: Rough, very rough. Nebraska ended up going up in Minneapolis losing to Minnesota 34 to 7. We lost by 27, but it feels like we lost by 45. It feels just as bad as the Ohio State loss, honestly. Oh, this
0: honestly it feels worse cuz Minnesota is not a team you expect to put a drubbing on you. Ohio State, you know, you don't want to lose by 41 at home on national television. But when Ohio State comes to town, and again, I mentioned this, they're going to have a lot of games like that by the end of the season. Yeah. When Ohio State comes to town, you're like, this is one of the greatest teams of all time kind of programs. This is one of the best teams in the nation. They have five-star talent across the board. A drubbing and a beatdown from them is semi-expected.
1: Minnesota's not that team. Minnesota beat us by more than I think they beat every other team on their schedule combined. combined yes. Which yes, is, is ridiculous. We looked worse than Purdue. We looked worse than South Dakota State. We looked worse than Georgia Southern.
0: Looked, Nebraska looked worse than Illinois, who they beaten.
1: And honestly, it just starts at position groups where we just don't look good. very depressing because I, I don't know what to do to fix this. What does Frost do to fix this?
0: This is a performance that I look back in. Last year, Nebraska got destroyed by Michigan in like the fourth or fifth game under Frost. And he came out at the press conference and said, this is the lowest point ever. This is rock bottom. We're going to get better from here. First year, new system coach with a dismembered team. And that's rock bottom. But then you get to this point where they have a year and a half of progress. They have guys in positions who have been playing in the system now. They have talent that they've recruited now. And you go to... A divisional conference foe who you put fifty plus on last year, and you, I mean, nearly shut out because it was thirty four to nothing. They gave us a garbage time touchdown, and we're like, oh, thank God, we go, <laughs> we go another game without being shut out. This is a game that I think Nebraska is going to look back uh, at the end of the season and be like, where is this team at?
1: See, that's that's the real problem. I don't know. A lot of defensive statistics, a lot of like team statistics, suggests that we're better. And A lot of categories like DVOA, you know, offensive efficiency rating, we're actually above what we were last year. But in terms of like the visual, in terms of the eye test, we don't look better than last year. Nebraska, look worse. Nebraska
0: does not look like a better team than last year. And you mentioned the defense being better. We've been hyping the defense up. We've thought they were the strength of our team. Yeah, they got 220 rushing yards dropped on them in
1: a half. They, they got absolutely flattened, and we know that the linebackers are were the weakest position on our team. With I have thought the secondary has been honestly pretty strong all year. I thought the D-line has been average. It's been solid. It's not been awful like it has been the last couple of years. But this game, just, just a torrent of disaster. Minnesota lined up in the trenches. They handed the ball off. They ran the A-gap. They ran to the B-gap.
0: I was watching the game uh, with my aunt Jennifer, and – I, ex- I was explaining throughout the throughout the game, all just watching them just pound the ball. Eight, nine. At one point, Minnesota was averaging 12 yards a carry in I, the first I, half. I heard that. And we all are just like, where are these holes being formed from? Why is nobody filling these gaps? And I started watching the fills on the linebackers. They don't know where to fill the gap. They don't know where to fill the gaps. And then on the edge, they over over-purs- they pursue on the edge. So there's that seam in the middle. And Minnesota is not running a complicated blocking scheme. This is one of the simplest blocking schemes for a run game I've seen yet this season. I mean, they, more, they literally just—it's
1: just, just man on a man.
0: It's man on man, and they'll seal one to the edge, one to the other side, and then they have a lane wide enough for a truck to drive through. It, it's
1: and ridiculous. And
0: our linebackers don't know what position to be in. The defensive lineman gets shoved back four yards. Darian Daniels, who's three hundred twenty plus pounds, should never be moved at all, and he was four <laughs> yards in the defensive back, like he was backed by the linebackers two seconds after the snap on every single rushing
1: play. I've thought Daniels has played a pretty solid season for us so far. But I have he, as well. He, he he looked real bad. The Davis twins were bad. I, our linebackers as general general were just absolutely awful. Alex Davis is a complete liability on the outside. Love Muhammad Barry. Dude puts 100% effort into it. That kid can't play better linebacker. He's too slow. He doesn't know where he's going a lot of the time. I, he's he's he struggled tremendously.
0: Well. No, he's struggled tremendously in this game, and he came up with a couple like plays behind the line of scrimmage, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, Barry's our one like good player on the defense." No, he's really disappointed me this season.
1: Uh, he's not Colin Miller over pursued really uh, badly multiple times. Yeah,
0: they're missing tackles that they should make. The few times they are in the right gaps, they're missing the tackles. Most of the time, they're not in the right gaps, which is the biggest issue. And I know we're going to go kind of off the rails if we stick down this path, but let's let's break this game down. Let's do our good, expected, and bad. Do you want to just start with the bad we'll move forward? Yeah, this time sure. we'll flip it around. Okay. So the bad, obviously, the run game for Minnesota, or the, the run defense for Nebraska, and the linebacker play. Anything else you want to touch on that?
1: No, honestly, I think we've said all we can about the linebackers. They don't fill gaps well. They're just not super athletic. I said this out loud during – I don't want to be like, man, I wish we had Levante David back – I don't even want to be that greedy. I, I just want a linebacker with like a reasonable amount of athleticism that moves and can recognize you know, where to go. The offensive line was also bad.
0: That, that was my bad of the game. I mean, my main bad was the defense, the linebackers, the poor tackling. Everything on defense was just bad in this game. But to flip the script a little bit, the offensive line, you have a backup quarterback in there, so you know it's going to be a struggle. We mentioned this before the show. We both thought Cam Jurgens was the best offensive lineman of our game against Minnesota, and we've given him tons of crap, and tons of grief, and tons of criticism throughout the first half of the season. But in Minnesota, he was the best offensive lineman Nebraska had.
1: No, he was he was holding firm. He was he was pushing his guy. He you know knew where he was supposed to block. His snaps actually were pretty good. Yes, they were. There was a couple of low ones, which but... is more. I, which is nothing I can say for. Any of the other linemen on our team, Farniok's not been very good all year. Trent Hickson has not been very good Trent all year. Trent Hickson,
0: I think, sat on the ground more than he was upright.
1: There was one play where I think Vedral It was a sack. Yeah, Vedral got sacked. but third quarter, it, it was yeah. be- It was because Trent Hickson literally— Nobody else moved more than like a yard or two back, but Trent Hickson literally just got driven into the ground immediately. Five yards
0: then, back into the backfield. And then, and Ved- not- then
1: Vedral had to— step up, and that made him get sacked. And yeah. I was just like, you just have to put your hands on your head and go, yeah. what are you doing? But Brendan, Wilson's not very but Wilson, good. Brendan
0: Hymas was consistently beat off the edge. Ugh. The offensive line in this game was probably one of the worst I've seen this season other than Ohio State. And Ohio State, again, has five-star caliber pass rushers. Yeah. Minnesota does not. No.
1: no that's what Minnesota I was Minnesota does
0: not. That is not the strength of their team. Their secondary is the strength of their defense.
1: Yeah, they they have strong corners. They have strong the back of the defense. Offensive line is the hardest position to develop in football. You got to you run different schemes, especially when you run a spread tempo offense like Frost runs. You need to know where you're going. You need to get the right technique down it's hard to develop offensive linemen. That's why I think you've seen be a big factor in the recruiting efforts by Frost over the last couple years. I mean, pretty much each class we've had like one, tried to get one big like high four-star player on the offensive line to commit because you need talent on those positions, which sadly we don't have.
0: Nebraska's really struggled on the offensive line for years now, but this was one of the worst performances I've seen in a while, not just because of the pass protection, but because of the lack of run game. And I said coming into this game that if Noah Vedrill was the leading rusher for Nebraska, it's a guaranteed loss. Guess who the leading rusher for Nebraska was? It was Vedrill. Vedrill. By how many? By 20 yards. Guess Did who's have- number two? Who was the second leading rusher on the Huskers?
1: Was it Brody Belt? It was Brody Belt. Ugh. The
0: man who came in in the fourth quarter, ripped off a 22-yard run... He had finished with 29, so he got seven more after that. He had four carries in the fourth quarter garbage time with Andrew at quarterback, and he's the second leading rusher for the Huskers.
1: It's bad. It's it's really bad. And part of this is just, it's a combination of we, A, don't have a good offensive line, and B, we just we just don't have a true, you know, Zigbo was a true three-down running back. He could play. All series, he would you know take a play every couple of plays off. But he you could you could put him out there for an entire drive, and he would carry the ball. He would he would pass block. He could do it all. And we just don't have that. Mills, I think, is a solid player, but that dude needs a hole to run through, and our offensive line can't do that. Reese Washington lacks the size and honestly, kind of the vision for running in the between the tackles. Wandell Robinson injured, probably going to be out for at least a couple months, I'm guessing, with a high ankle sprain. Is, this You know, is too small to play running uh, no. back consistently. Oh, yeah.
0: No, he's he's recruited as a slot wide receiver and a, a slot or a f- guy to get on the edge for a reason. He's, yeah, so not, we just, a, we just, he's not a guy you're going to run up the middle. We just don't have a true running back. Plus, again, there's no room to run up the middle for Nebraska. Yeah. I don't know why Coach Frost continues to try that scheme. There's no room to run up the middle. And again, I was looking at the blocking schemes a lot in this game because I saw how easy it was for Minnesota to just put man on man, turn them a little bit, and then there's a wide lane. They're driving straight down the field. When you look at Nebraska's blocking scheme in this one, it's a lot of zone blocks. It's a lot of just slide to the right, and running back's got one main hole, but he's got a couple to pick from because the defensive linemen and the linebackers are shooting straight up the gaps, which means you have to find the open one, and you have to hope that your linemen are going to turn guys to the outside so you have a cutback in the middle. That's what the zone block's for. Nebraska cannot block that rush can't block period based off what I saw because' so still trying to figure out how to block a screenplay I give a lot of credit to Minnesota's offense they had no issues moving the ball in whatever fashion they wanted to do so there was a stat in the third quarter that said in the entire first half Minnesota did not have a single negative play on offense
1: that's uh... that's
0: that that's attributed to two things one offensive efficiency which again I don't want to take away Anything from the Gophers in this one because they looked like a really good football team. I don't know if they are a really good football team. I don't know if they're going to compete tremendously in the Big Ten. They have a favorable schedule. Their next two games, more than winnable. They could go into their matchup with Penn State undefeated. They could. And then they would have Penn State, Iowa, and Wisconsin to kind of like those are the tough three ones for them. Otherwise, their schedule is very winnable. So Minnesota's looked like a really good football team so far this season because they're winning games. They put on a great performance on offense, especially. Defense, too. Nebraska helped them a lot just with the ineffectiveness. But the Gophers played a complete game. They did. The Huskers didn't. Nebraska did not come in prepared. Nebraska did not come in looking like they were ready to win this game. And that's something that concerns me. That's something that I think Coach Frost is really going to have to start dealing with because... A year and a half in, you should start being prepared to win games. There's situations where I think he's unprepared for, and he's not. he hasn't had his decisions fully thought out. He doesn't have a play for 4th and 14 against Colorado. He doesn't have a plan for if my second quarterback's in and he goes out, I have to throw in my third string who I'm planning on redshirt and waste a game for a play. He doesn't have plans for those types of situations, and they're becoming more and more frequent. And it's becoming more and more frequent that Frost is not prepared at all, which shows that this offense isn't prepared. Because he's the offensive coach. He's the offensive guru. That's the bad in this game for me. The offensive line, the execution, and the unpreparedness for the offense of Nebraska.
1: Yeah, I think that about sums it up. Now, going into the expected, I thought that Vedrill would play fine, but I thought there would be a reason that Adrian Martinez was a shorting quarterback. And I think the game showed out. Vedrill, I thought, played perfectly okay. He had to what about 140 passing yards about 50 rushing yards
0: not having one of your top playmakers is difficult when you when your offense is running efficiently when your offense relies on him to be the primary source of offense because you have nothing else to work with it's even more train it's even bigger train wreck i, I agree i think Noah Vejral played fine i expected him to start i expected him to play in this game and i think again play serviceable as a backup quarterback should Backup quarterbacks are not entirely... I mean, they're brought in to win the game because obviously the whole team mentality is to win the game. But you don't have a backup quarterback as your primary offensive weapon. Yeah. I mentioned before, if Noah Bedrill was going to be the leading rusher for Nebraska, Nebraska was going to lose this game. They needed the ground attack to help. They needed the wide receivers to help out. There were some drop passes in this game. The offense is not built to help out Whoever's behind center. well Which I is why coming into the season, everybody was so focused on Adrian Martinez. They're giving him all this Heisman hype. He doesn't have weapons, and he hasn't looked great himself. On the side note of that, he hasn't had help by the offensive line. There's a lot of drop passes. The two main receivers, J.D. Spielman and wando Robinson, they've been banged up, and they're also oftentimes double covered because one of them is always off the field with injury, or if they're both on the field, they don't have time to get the ball to them. So if one of them's on the field, you can double it, and you don't have to worry about him ever again.
1: Vedral, I thought, played fine, but I think it's pretty clear why Adrian Martinez is a starter. There are several times in that game when Vedral just has a tenth or just a quarter less pocket presence than Martinez has had, and that led to a sack, that led to a bad throw. And I would have said Adrian would have thrown that away. Adrian would have gotten out of that. He, he would be aware of the guy coming around. And I think that makes it clear that Adrian is the starter. He is going to be the starter moving forward. I think he is better than Vedral.
0: I agree. And I, I've never said that I think Vedral should be starting over Adrian. I just think it's a different type of offense when he's in there. And that's something that I saw. That's That was kind of my expectation for the game is Vedrill would be the guy. Vedral would take the snaps. Vedral needed help. And he didn't get the help. That's a big part of why Nebraska lost. And, you, I mean, again, he was our leading rusher partly because he scrambled so much. You're right, doesn't have quite as much pocket presence. He isn't able to step up and stay in the pocket as long as Adrian is. He isn't able to survey downfield. Again, Minnesota's secondary is the strength of their defense, so there wasn't a lot to throw to anyway, and there wasn't a lot of time with how poor the offensive line was, which is what we talked about. Nate, we're going to move forward. If there's any good you can take out of this game for Nebraska, what is the good category for you?
1: There's not much. Honestly, there's individual moments Cam Jurgens, I honestly didn't notice any bad snaps. Maybe there were a couple. There was
0: a, there's a few low ones, but overall, not bad. No,
1: he played well. I thought Cade Warner came in and he caught a couple of good passes from the backup quarterbacks from both Bunch and Federal. And I thought, hey, that guy should be on the field more. I I truly think that. Yeah, uh, is that it? That might be it for me. Actually,
0: I'm gonna say there's no good for me in this one, which is which is odd because I'm I'm a big optimist. I always look for a positive situation coming out of this. This is my new low point for Nebraska right now. Not that Minnesota is a bad team, because again, they played very well, and I don't want to take any credit for, discredit from them. Nebraska was not prepared at all for a game like this. That's what frightens me more moving forward as a Husker fan and a college football fan that wants to see Nebraska back into like the top ranks. But this team did not look ready to play this game. If you're walking into a stadium... And you know in your heart, you're like, yeah, this just isn't going to be our day. We're just not ready to go. That's a terrible mentality. And I don't. I'm not saying these guys have that mentality, but the actions and the way they play on the field looks like they do. And this is a team against Minnesota you should be able to have confidence against. You should be able to – in Ohio State, you can walk into that stadium and be like, yeah, this is going to be a rough one, boys. We want to fight. We want to make it close. But to not be competitive against Minnesota... That's rough. That's that's a very unprepared football team, in my opinion.
1: It, I'm, I'm, it not, I'm not
0: giving any good credit to this game. This was a bad game for Nebraska. Um, no,
1: it completely was, 100%. I do not blame you. I had two very minor points, yeah, and I, that's, that's about it for me, too. So, hey, listen, got to move on and move up. We got two weeks to prepare for Indiana. I'm sure we'll have more to say about Indiana next week, but... It's two more weeks. Got to get healthy. Yeah,
0: good, good opportunity for Nebraska to rest, recover, and really work on those
1: simple things. Because, like we said, we got, we got Indiana, Purdue, Maryland. Got to win two out of three.
0: Those are winnable games.
1: All three. All three are completely All three are winnable
0: games. We're going to chalk up Wisconsin as a loss.
1: Iowa feels like a loss too. That's at the very distant future. Yeah. But we got to make two out of three. That's our goal. We got to get to six and six. Got to get to a bowl.
0: Stay strong, Husker fans. Stay strong. Long way to go, but rest easy. I'm going to forget about this one. I'm, not, I'm still upset. I'm just going to forget about it.
1: I've, I've already moved past it. It's all right. Good for you. I'm still working on it. There were a lot of other good games that happened there this last week. There were.
0: So I, I want to start off with the one that kind of shook up everything. That's, that's kind of the big one early in the morning. South Carolina knocking off Georgia in Athens in double overtime, Nate. Is this a big shakeup? I mean, Georgia's one of the college football playoff contenders, one of the big contenders in the East. They still are. They, st- they still are. Honestly, at a loss, Honestly, so.
1: I think this loss in the grand scheme of things means almost nothing. If Georgia is going to compete, they need to win the rest of their games. They were going to need to win the rest of their games, whether they won this one or not anyway. I think they've shown themselves to be probably the weakest of all the playoff contenders so far. I think they've looked kind of iffy all year, in all honesty. They've had, you know, they've always managed to pull it together and scream it out, you know, like that first quarter and a half against Tennessee where you were like, "What is going on with Georgia?" You yeah. ended up pulling that one away. Notre Dame, their game against Notre Dame, which kind of looks like two good teams going at it instead of like two playoff teams going at it. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. And one thing I just like to give a lot of credit to South Carolina because their starting quarterback goes down and they were out without their best wide receiver. On the road in Georgia, not an easy place to win. Their defense really stepped up, and Georgia's offense hasn't been amazing this Jake season. From
1: three interceptions this Three game.
0: interceptions for Jake Fromm, 28 of 51 passing. Ugh. That's unheard of because he's typically one of the more accurate passers in the nation. So I just give a lot of credit to South Carolina's defense. It was a fun game to watch. Uh, you almost thought South Carolina screwed it up by missing their field, their field goal in first overtime after the interception, but was able to hold on And, uh, I don't know. It's, you're right. It probably doesn't like shake up things too much. you I I can see that. Especially with Florida losing to LSU, which we'll get to in a minute, but I think it might show some kinks in the armor for Georgia. No, people are going to be going after Florida coming up the, um, world's largest outdoor outdoor cocktail rivalry thing in Jacksonville.
1: Very Nebraska, except much, much better. They need to come back and look at themselves and go, what do we want out of the season? and can they get it done? I think I mean I think they definitely have the talent to regroup. If you told me in January that they would be in the college football playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked still. Now still in the SEC, Florida and LSU,
0: the Bayou Bengals.
1: Oof. I'm telling you Nate, LSU looks incredible. This
0: team is looking good. You're right.
1: I am, I am so excited for LSU to play Alabama. That game it,
0: It's not going to be like a 10 to 3 game anymore they're going both teams are going to score points. LSU has an offense. This is absurd. Joe Burrow for Heisman even.
1: Like a, No, no, Drew is playing well. I I would He'd honestly ma- put him as my front He runner. had
0: as many incompletions as he did touchdown passes, Nate. Oh. He had 3 touchdown passes, he had 3 incompletions in the game. LSU's offense is nearly impossible to stop at this point. They're dropping 40 plus a game regularly and their defense was stepping up too. Kyle Trask in Florida played well, but LSU shut them out in the second half. They got a couple turnovers. They made some key stops. This defense is not quite to the normal LSU standard, but it's improving. And again, with an offense that scores 40-plus and leads the nation, actually, in scoring offense, you don't have to worry too much on defense. No,
1: you don't. Extremely complete team in almost all aspects.
0: They have a tough schedule. They still have the SEC West to go through, so they got at Mississippi State, they have Auburn, a bye week, and then on the road at Bama. There's the next few games, next few weeks. So a lot of, a lot of things can still happen with this team. But LSU is definitely one of the hottest teams in college football, hottest playoff teams on my radar right now.
1: No, I would I would put them in honestly in the playoffs. I think that them and Alabama look about equally as good. Another, the, the other huge the other huge game that happened this week, the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma. Showdown.
0: Showdown? Quotes. No. They call it the Red River Showdown now, some branding thing. I refuse to call it the showdown unless I'm paid to do so, which I'm not. So it is still and always will be the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma and Texas.
1: Uh, it was a good game. It was. Oklahoma, I thought, looked like they were mostly in control the entire time, and I think that showed out they ended up winning 34-27. to 27.
0: Great game overall. Yeah, no, it was fun I one. think both teams played well. It's, it shows with the score. There was a little more defense than people might have expected with the score. The one play I just love from this game. I don't know if you saw it, but there's a play where uh, Jalen Hurts is about to be sacked, and he takes the ball Dude, from his right hand back. behind the back, switches it to his left, then re- resets and throws for a first down to C D Lamb. I Incredible.
1: I, I only just saw, incredible. I only saw that on the replay after the game. I saw that in real time, and I was just like, Oh, he cut out of a sack. Good play by him. But I was like, I saw the behind the back, and I was like, what the heck just happened there? You look a little closer, like, wow, that was a play right there. No. Uh, Hurts is good. C.D. Lamb is... C.D. Lamb's amazing. (laughs) What? He was doing his best Michael Crabtree impression that game. Like, it's just like two defenders on him. was just like, nope, I'm getting away from both of you.
0: He was running all around the Texas secondary. That's one thing Texas has struggled with this year is their secondary. Joe Burrow lit it up. Jalen Hurts, 235 yards and three touchdown passes. All three to C.D. Lamb, who had 171 of those yards. So um, Texas still in the hunt for Big 12. They are likely to face Oklahoma again. Could flip the script. You'd never want to play a team twice, but Oklahoma wins the Golden Hat.
1: Any other games that happened this week that you were – Interested in?
0: Yeah. Uh, they, I have a confession to make, though. What? It's not Halloween yet, but I am terrified. I'm scared to death of Wisconsin.
1: Bucky Badger coming for you?
0: Bucky Badger's coming for me in my nightmares, and my sleep. He, like, he's going to rip me apart. He's going to rip everybody apart because Wisconsin is insane.
1: I'm excited for their matchup with Ohio State. Real good. They are, they are probably the most impressive team in the nation thus far to me. I'm impressed... I think more teams are impressive than Wisconsin, but Wisconsin is very specifically impressive considering I thought they would be good this year. I didn't think they'd be great. They look great.
0: They do, and I don't care who you are. Four shutouts in a season is absurd. Giving up 29 points the entire year thus far out of six games is absurd. They played teams with very little offensive attack, but regardless, this team... If you're talking about complete teams, Wisconsin's a complete team you should talk about. Wisconsin looks good. They have a tough schedule coming up, but they're a team to watch. They're a team that's going to make a playoff push. They're their showdown with Ohio State in a couple weeks. I imagine game day will be in Columbus for that. That's going to be a show.
1: So looking forward to next week, is there any games next week that this next... Are there any games this upcoming week really stand out to you, Alex?
0: Penn State, Michigan, uh... It's basically who's second place in the East game. Uh, it, it'll, for the be Big good, 10. it'll be
1: a good. It'll be a good test for Penn State, to, or I guess maybe it's a good test for Michigan. Honestly, both of these teams are still, you know, quote unquote, in it. Ohio State looks head and shoulders above both of them. Yeah. Ohio State but
0: travels to Northwestern on Friday. That'll be. It should be. It should be fine for them. Northwestern again, tough defense. Ohio State's dealt with that, but th- those are always kind of those sneaky games. Those. Like lower-tier Big Ten teams that Ohio State travels to, they never seem to walk out with a good victory, um, even sometimes a loss. So, yeah, Honestly,
1: honestly, not the greatest slate of games. There's the Oregon-Washington game, which is always fun. It's probably always tight. I'm sure it'll be a tough game. Arizona State, Utah. Florida's
0: on the road to South Carolina. They're coming off the big win.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if Florida can rebound against a solid South Carolina team. Temple and SMU. Very
0: underrated game in the American Conference. Yeah, Temple, Obviously, Temple beat no, but, Memphis. Yeah, Temple had the upset at home against Memphis, I called their, their it.
1: They're 5-1, SMU 6-0. and oh.
0: And that that's a big battle for control in the American Division, or the American Conference West Division.
1: Yeah, it, whoever wins that will be on the fast track to get not only probably a fast track to winning the American, but... Mm-hmm but maybe a fast track to getting that New Year's Six Bowl for the G5 team. Yeah,
0: definitely trying to compete with Boise State for that New Year's uh, Six Bowl. The G5, again, nobody's really going to pay attention to them. They don't have much say in the world. But this is something they can always shoot for, is being that one G5 team to make it to New Year's Six. Uh, We've had UCF the last couple years, Western Michigan a few years ago. Boise State, SMU, Memphis was looking up Their Temple's starting to file back in. I'm surprised Temple has not been ranked yet.
1: I am too, actually. It's just, it's tough, you know, when you're one of these G5 teams and you're really good. Nobody really looks at how your team plays. They just kind of see their record. And they see Temple has a loss and they're just like, well, they're, they're done. They're out of it. Indeed. I mean, regardless, regardless of the any games that may or may not, and no Husker football games on Saturday. It's, it's,
0: it's the bye week. It's the bye week. we got to watch other football teams. I know. Not that we don't already.
1: <laughs> yeah, not that I football don't. Football is life, Nate. Not that I don't spend eight hours. On... I not spend eight hours on their Saturday. Think, You're
0: doing it wrong. You should be watching football from sun up to sundown. Pac-12 after dark? That's always a good time. I, I need to go to bed. Yeah. You don't work till like 3 in the afternoon. What do you need to go to bed for?
1: <laughs> I lo-
0: <laughs> yeah so you don't have a comeback for that no i
1: really don't actually well we
0: hope you all come back and tune into our next episode we'll get some husker news for you after the bye week we'll get some game predictions uh, we'll find some cool stories around college football we'll see what happens we're halfway through this college football season but you know you love us keep coming back tuning into the second string your favorite show your favorite information giver your favorite place in the world to listen to i don't know what we're doing Nate.
1: <laughs> i don't know what you're doing either dude
0: we we do stuff with college football people need to know about it that's about as far as i got cool nate mobak alex fernando the second string huskers please get better
1: go big red question mark uh, definitely maybe two question mark